2: Now, it's time for the voice of mixed
0: martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of San Antonio, Texas, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but maybe afraid to voice. Do not worry, we will voice it for you. This is No Holes Barred Radio, folks. We talk about everything on It's Time film, TV, politics, President Trump, UFC, sex, drugs, rock and roll. That's what we're all about on this show. Now, with that being said, I'm here. Hi, this is Stephanie from Safeway. Exciting news. Safeway, Chevron, and Texaco are offering even more savings at the pump. Now through September 8th, shop at Safeway and redeem up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations and at Safeway fuel stations. Shop Safeway this week and earn up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards. This is Stephanie from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $1 per gallon in a single fill-up, up up to 25 gallons for a limited time. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details in-store or at Safeway.com. Here with my partner and co-host TJ DeSantis, TJ, we got somebody very special on the show today. We have actor Chris McDonald, and you can tell the folks what is the one of the most famous roles that Chris McDonald has been in. Go for it.
1: Oh, Shooter McGavin, and I i, I don't know. I'm going to tell him something that may be uh, a bit uh, complimentary to him in, in my mind, but it, it might not come out that way. Well. Bruce, I hate his face. I don't like his face. <laughs> Wow, I got to hear how you how you bring that
0: one up, so with, with with no delay, hold that thought, and let's bring up the man, he's been in everything, folks, Thelma and Louise, superhero movie, bar walk empire, ballers with Dwayne the Rock, Johnson, and of course, one of our favorite films of all time, Happy Gilmore. Let's bring on character actor extraordinaire, Chris McDonald. It's time! You asked for it, and you got it, at BruceBuffer.com. Championship introductions at a special rate are now provided for all of you as a keepsake for life, like you are being introduced like a champion in the cage. Just go to BruceBuffer.com. Specials for championship introductions, weddings, birthdays, voicemail, and business recordings. I'm here for you if you need me. Check me out at BruceBuffer.com. And now a very special guest a man who I've met many times, had a chance to have a fun dinner with just last week, and of course, why not have him on the podcast, because I'm a big fan of his work, and we have the actor himself, Chris McDonald. Chris, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm really good, Bruce,
0: thanks. Uh, very good to see you at the S V dinner last week, the charity event, through our mutual friend, Mitch, that was a lot of fun, as always. Um, you as know, this, always, yeah. As always, as always. I know you make a lot of these events, you're very big attending the charity events. Do you happen... Are you going to be going tomorrow night to the Paramount lot for the uh, poker event that they're having tomorrow evening?
2: Um, I really wanted to, uh, Bruce, but uh, I have I have uh, my kids coming back, so I put family first. And uh, as much as I've enjoyed that in the past, I love Paramount. It's my favorite lot. And I love the charity that it's for, and it's a lot of fun, but I can't make it this, this time. Well, sorry
0: we'll Are you won't make that going? one. Uh, yeah, I am going to go. You- I am going to go. Yes. Absolutely. Well, poker is kind of like one of my second favorite passions or one of my favorite exactly. passions. I you're pretty
2: pretty, pretty good at that, Bruce. What's do deal with
0: <laughs> I, that? Well, you know, I learned it when I was nine years old from my dad. He taught me how to play poker and blackjack. And he said when it comes to horse racing, the only way to follow a horse is with a shovel. And I <laughs> took that advice <laughs> to heart. So I stuck with the <laughs> poker. I, I've, just, I've really taken on to it. My competitive spirit really gets into it. And um, you know, it's like knocking somebody off of their chips is like in the old days when they used to knock somebody down with a punch. So, got to exactly. keep that exactly. Yeah, got to keep it going. But it's, you're right; it is a great affair, a great charity, as there are many. We we get a chance in our lines of work to attend many of these fine events, which it's giving back, it's paying it forward a little bit, which is always good. But Chris, one thing I wanted to mention to you is I'm I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Obviously, one of my favorite roles is the classic, you know, your role as Shooter McGavin in the Happy Gilmore movie. Um, but, I, you know, go back even to Thelma and Louise and, you know, you're working Boardwalk Empire recently and just even on Ballers, you know, that's one of my favorite shows. Even down to a movie that I still watch and it cracks me up is the superhero movie. There's just so many movies I can go on. Your body of work is very wide, very wide. I,
2: I, thank you. Thank you, Bruce, for that. And, and I, I love doing superhero movie. It's it's a spoof of all those Marvel movies that we see now and uh, a little bit before it's time, I guess. And we had a lot of fun shooting that baby. I'll tell you, my God! Say the stupidest lines in the world, but it's it's hard to like just get the lines out without cracking up.
0: So exactly, so. exactly. But how much improv, like when you did scenes in the superhero movie, how much sticking to the script really happened? People had to go off on that script and just develop their oh, own. Oh, absolutely,
2: play. absolutely. That, for the most part, in movies, you get that creative freedom, and what will happen is uh, many times with directors in both mediums, they get it. And they say, let's let's have fun. Let's, let's do one for you, do one for the gipper, you know, just throw it out there. And sometimes you'll, you'll ad lib and sometimes they'll use it. And sometimes they won't. A lot of times they do use mine. Thank God. Uh, (laughs) And I just, you know, I try to make myself laugh or make people laugh because, you know, you really have to give them what's on the page out of respect for your writers. But then after that, once you got that in, it's like carte blanche.
0: Yeah, I can see that happening. Um, And that's probably what makes the set even more fun is when you can go off script like that and everybody's into it, I would think. We actually have a six degrees of separation. There was a film that I was in a long time ago along with my brother Michael, and it was called L.A. Riot Spectacular, which I noticed (laughs) when I was looking at your body of work, you were in that too. Um, I played the referee at the corner of Florence and Normandy, who came out after Michael introduced Reginald Denny and the Crips, and I came out as the referee, you know how wacky that film was. And then I Pretty started wacky, off, yeah. very wacky. Then I started off the, the horrific scene, which they actually filmed almost to the T exactly as it happened when I was watching film, it be a film that blew me away, which was that horrific incident with Reginald Denny that occurred. What, what did you play in that, in that film? I, I still have yet I, to see the entire movie.
2: Uh, I played the other, it was Rasco Bez and myself were the two cops. So I played, uh, I played a representation of, uh, Sergeant Kuhn. And, uh, he went through all, you know, the real life guy came from the valley, did the whole thing. I I really, really short hair because, uh, Sergeant Kuhn did as well. And, uh, it was a lot of fun, but I want to tell you, it was pushing the limit and it had a lot of terrific actors in it. Yeah. So, I don't think it made. I don't think it made a lot of noise, but I think uh, people who see it just kind of like laugh their tails off because you write as it. It was following the true story, but it was it was the you know the slant of the comedy slant on it that made it more palatable than the horrific event that it
0: was. Yeah, kind of a risky undertaking when you think about it. You know, a little bit.
2: Yeah. Well, people push the envelope all the time. That's how you make. Uh, you know, there's only 36 stories in Hollywood. so You got to you got to take different slants at things. Uh, so you think that that's fresh and
0: new? I'll try that. So you, you know, it's that's funny you said, say. Trick me, sorry. Exa- exactly, and it's funny that you say that line you just said because my dad was a writer. He wrote screenplays and books, and um, he always said there's 16 plots, but 150 ways to tell each story, barring any historical reference. Which is kind of like what you just said with the 36 plots. You know, yeah, exactly.
2: It's probably probably it's closer to 16, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times? I love what they do in Hollywood, uh, and I don't blame them. They 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 put you in a a uh, box. I'll uh, oh, get that guy that does the uh, the hero you love, uh, the guy you love to hate, but he's he's funny. So that's what that's my, my particular box. Um, I wish it was the guy who always got the girl, but that's not in my cards. So uh,
0: <laughs> don't never say to, never say never never say never. Chris. Never
2: say never. I know I may have to write it myself, but never say never. <laughs> um, so, but but that said, you have to find different ways of. Uh, that to get around, if you forbid to say, uh, forgive the saying, uh, lazy writing, where they'll just, you know, put the, the, the skeleton of the, of the guy out there. And you have to, you have as an actor, have to come in and and give the reasons why you would think that way. Because when you're playing a bad guy like that, you have to have reasons why he would do that so that he thinks he's right. He's not, people are all, you know, twirling mustaches and, you know, evil to the soul. Um, But so, so you have to, Bring that those layers of, of why they do it, and you get it, it's easier in comedy because you know, especially in Happy Gilmore, and I was a, I was a I was a petulant child in that thing. It was just you know a, a privileged guy who was like, "This is it, man," and and so we did. We had lived a lot in that movie too, and it was a lot of fun. I, 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 you had, to take, yeah, to, you know, to take off in that vein is really fun. I, I got to go jump ahead,
1: in you, here real quick and, and just say this, Chris, uh, and I hope you take this. Uh, with the most complimentary tone I can give you, because it doesn't sound like a compliment, but it is. Uh, I watched Happy Gilmore so much. It, it came out when I was in uh, high school, and uh, I just fell in love with that movie. And I can honestly say everything that I've ever seen you in since then, I just see you, Chris, and I hate your face. I just hate your face. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, but like that—that's who you were to me in, in my film watching days, and, and as a kid. And it's like I, I think that's—that's that's the biggest compliment I can pay you for pay, oh, playing that Shooter McGavin. Well, first of all, TJ, thank you. That's—that's that's a good.
2: That's a—that's actually a, a nice compliment. But it, it, the way you said that, it was like—it's like Happy Gilmore, you know, out center going, "I hate that Bob Barker." <laughs> That's one so, of the funniest scenes in that movie when they were doing that piece said, price is wrong, bitch. Oh, took, oh,
0: my God. Took the words right out of my mouth. That scene is such a standout. And Bob Barker, you yeah. know, still throwing it down the way he did. Stuntman and all, I'm sure, is stepping in. But with that, on the set of Happy Gilmore, um, the flair that you brought to that character is so unique, as TJ just pointed out and lasting. Has there ever been talk about a Happy Gilmore 2? It seems like one movie you would think they'd want to remake.
2: That is brought up to me, Bruce, maybe you know, 20 times a year. It's just right. they gotta have a, a, and all my you know friends that I've made through you know people loving that movie. There's gotta be a, a sequel. At this point, we're on the senior tour, so you know, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't think Adam wants to do it because um, uh, Tim uh, Tim uh, Hurley he wrote it with him and uh, Judd Apatow. These guys, around other things, are not big on doing sequels. I think the only sequel they ever did was, uh, or there actually there were two of them, um, where all the all the guys get together and they're all comedians, all that stuff. And then the other one is the is the uh, is never one that Adam stars in, though, which is interesting. He doesn't like doing sequels, so I don't think that's going to happen. But boy, would it be fun if we would be on the senior tour and meet up again.
0: It'd be a ton of fun. You know, you never know with Adam. Yeah. I know he's doing a lot of films on, on Netflix, which, by the way, as, as we touched on that night, um, in your long career and in the film industry has gone through some changes. So as an example, like it's not about film going directly to movie theaters anymore. It's the Netflix era. And the money is big and all that. Is, is all these other avenues, do you feel, is beneficial in creating tremendously more opportunities for actors to work and work and find... Brian projects?
2: Oh, uh, that's a very good question. Also, uh, it, it, the business has changed dramatically in the last three to five years with, mm-hmm. um, uh, but everything from, from Netflix and all the streaming services, there's 545 scripted shows out there or something crazy like that. So yes, it's a great opportunity for actors of, of all levels and especially for the younger actors, because, you know, there's a, there's a budget to consider because you really, you're not getting, when you're doing a show for Netflix, there's no real commercials. So you're not, and that's one of the attractions of it, but commercials pay for network television for the last, you know, 70 years or 80 years. So um, it's something that is completely different when you can watch it like a movie and then you can stream it and it's on the next one's on the next four's three, two, one, and you just kind of sucked in. And so you watch three or four or five at a time, you right. binge it. But um, that said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity out there. You, uh, you pray for the best and and, uh, Netflix was very famous about being like, we love what you do, go do your thing. And very much hands off that's beginning to change right now because they don't want to, you know, they, they, they're, there's no real, real way to gauge to my Mm -hmm. knowledge, Mm -hmm. how many people are clicking on that at a time. And I don't know how reliable that would be if someone said there was. So, but you know, my favorite is, HBO, they've been very good to me. I love working with them. I, I'm doing Baldish now, and then I, I, you know, I've done that. Like you said earlier, that just doing. Borbuck Empire was one of the biggest thrills because it was such detail. HBO does not spare a penny when it comes to detail, and down to the buttonholes in these in these period clothes and the cars and everything was just spectacular.
0: I thought the dialogue. Boy. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I, I thought no Boardwalk Empire was one of the finest uh, miniseries or series, whatever the proper term is. Um, the characterization, you're right. The, yeah. the, uh, the clothing, the wardrobe, the attention to detail, you know, even back to the old days of Atlantic City and the Steel Pier and all that stuff. That that is yeah. one of the finest shows ever on TV. You definitely have been part of some big projects and ballers. Well, I, mean, I, have, I can't rave enough about it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Ballers is what, what a thrill that was to work with the biggest star in the world right now. And DJ, uh, the rock Johnson is, uh, was a thrill, and, uh, all my scenes are with him. So it was really, really fun. It's the guy at the top. Steve Levinson is, 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 uh, the man, what can I say? He's just, uh, he's the guy that makes it sh- make sure everything happens. Of course, Mark Wahlberg's involved and
0: Peter Berg. Yeah. You know,
2: um, And these are both, you know, but but it's it, but it's really Leb that does all the work, uh, and he's right there every day. He writes beautifully. He hires great new directors, gives them all a shot. A girl that did was his assistant. Did five episodes this year. Was his assistant two years ago, and she became a director, and she's terrific. So that's all. That's awesome. It's really kind of amazing. So so as far as everything has changed now too, the hashtag Me Too thing has changed the whole world. So. You know, as a father of three girls and a son, I mean, I, I, my girls are going into this crazy, wonderful business and I want them to be, you know, feel safe at all times. And so that's huge. That's changed the whole the landscape in a lot of ways, too. And, of course, the, uh, the you know, the minority getting there. They're their up and look, look at what, what uh, the AMPAS did. You know, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences invited um, the biggest, like, incoming class this past two years. And a majority of them were of, of ethnic background, and it's fantastic. It's, it's, yeah, it's about great. time. And it's, it's it's so it's a really it's, a, it's everything's changing so fast with the with with story with with uh, you know we used to all these great writers. There's so many great writers used to be the great writers in film exclusively. And then TV was sort of like a thing you hash over and it's kind of like, you know, give them what they want, you know, and then throw it a commercial and go to a break. But now they have the freedom to tell these great stories over a 10 show arc, eight show arc, and they want to sleep in their own bed. So they're, I mean, it's kind of great that you shoot in Los Angeles, a great deal. And then, you know, down in Atlanta where they do all this stuff, just because, you can tell a story and really flesh it out. So, there's so much excellent television going on right now. It's just just an amazing time to be an
0: actor. Yeah, you know, and an a,
2: and a, and appreciator of, of good of good uh, uh, storytelling.
0: Which yeah, awesome. good bodies of work, good characterization, of course, fine scripting, you know, the, the art of words, which is something that's kind of going to hell in a handbasket these days with social media and the way people are communicating. <laughs> uh, so, let's. let's amen keep- to that. Yeah, I know. I know it's changing times, and we all have to adapt because it's where it's going. It's where it is, and where it's going. But when I watch, like as you're saying, HBO, amazing, always amazing in everything they do. Netflix, I can't can't stop watching a ton of stuff on that. And now over at Hulu, I just got done watching the uh, recreation of the fine film Das Boot, which is a series over on Hulu, and it is awesome. And they also redid the fine book and film that Alan Arkin starred in called Catch-22, which is redone yes, as a exactly. George a series. Clooney did that, yes. Yeah, and Clooney's uh, yeah. in it. It was yeah. awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Clooney, Clooney's company did
2: it. It's, it's fantastic. I've loved that, and I also loved Dust Boat. The uh, original movie was brilliant, but I've yet to sit down and, and binge the uh, series, so
0: I look forward to that. That series, they take the original movie and they take it three levels higher or more. It's it's wow. you'll be pretty yeah you'll be pretty amazed. It's pretty surprising how it was all done, and, and it's one of those things. I I have to go to bed at eleven to get ready for the next day, but I turn these things on, and I'm it's two o'clock in the morning because I got to keep watching that next episode. That's when you know you're really it's, enjoying something, though.
2: Yeah, it's addicting. That's the thing. And it's and and it's just like I say, with no commercials and no distractions. it's kind of like all right, just one more, and then oh. Okay, one more. This is my fast. It's, it's two o'clock in the morning. Going, oh my god! Yeah, that's great stuff. Yeah,
0: you know, you work in an industry where you have to deal with a lot of BS. You got to deal with all the stuff that goes on to to you know get to that finished product. And I'm sure there's people you work with both creatively, directors, actors that are more fun to work with and more genuine than others. That's just life in general. But I have to I have to say that my experience with Adam Sandler. He's one of the most down-to-earth guys I've ever met. He was at a show at a UFC one time. I've told the story on the show before, but when I was talking to him, and it was after you know seeing Happy Gilmore with Barker in it, and uh, when he had um, oh gosh uh, Hasselhoff, you know, in one of his other films. But in the film he had Hasselhoff in, I saw him at a UFC, and I said, Adam, you know, you're always having icons in your movies from time to time. Why don't you have Michael Buffer, my brother, be in one of your films? Oh, that's a great idea. Thanks. You know, it kind of lost by the wayside. Two weeks later, I get a call, and it's from his production office. They don't even need him to audition. They want Michael to star in, in Don't Mess with the Zohan. And, uh, right. And bingo, he was on set like three weeks later on the film. And it all stemmed from that one little conversation that sparked a little idea in Adam's head, and he went for it. Yeah. And, and it was well, great.
2: That's one thing. That's one thing about Adam. He's he's very smart. He's diligent. He's on the set every day, even if he's not working. He's on the set making it funnier somehow. You know, and that's my only experience. I've only worked with a couple of movies that he, that he's done. But wow, he's also extremely loyal to his old pals that he grew up yes. with. and I think that's commendable. Also, he's got the same you know posse of eight ten guys that he uses all the time, and I think that's fantastic because it's hard enough to come up in comedy like he did and try to break out of the pack. And he's one of the few that have done it consistently for 25 years. So God bless him, man. I think it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, and those co-stars, and I, I'm friends with a couple of them, they, they love Adam. You know, it kind of reminds me of Clint Eastwood, um, maybe not so much with the actors. He did use a lot of actors the same. But when he makes a film, you know, he's a great one-shot artist. And he uses a lot yeah. of the same creative people on the set because that's his team. That's who he works with.
2: And his team and they could they speak in shorthand. It's basically all right. That's enough of that. Let's move on to the next one. They they get it. They get it quick. And my friend Kathy Bates and and uh, Sam Rockwell are working with them right now down in Atlanta, in, his, in another
0: movie. Look at him, he's eighty two or three years old, still doing it. God bless him. So, I think he's, yeah, he's, up to, still, I, think he's up, I think he's about eighty five now. <laughs> it, it blows me away. It's, it's really? incredible. Yeah. God love him. That's fantastic, and he's still doing what he loves. And you
2: go back to the day what at Universal. When he and Burt Reynolds were not only roommates, but they were both on contract at Universal Studios, and after a while, they they both got cut. They said to Burt, uh, "You can't act. Sorry, the guy can't act. Sorry, we're not going to use it anymore. Your contract's not picked up." They said that. he said about Clint, "He's got a he's got a weird look. He's too tall. He's too this. He's too that." So then, Burt says to I hope I didn't screw this up, but Bert says to Clint, well, geez, that's too bad about, about our, our losing our contract. Um, I can learn to act. You, I don't know what to say about your looks. <laughs> <So laughs> He's got, he got a one-up on him. So, and then look at how they both took off and became like iconic actors.
0: So. Uh, very, very much yeah. iconic. Um, a little bit of trivia. Clint Eastwood is 89. 89. No and way. 89. No yep. Way. God Still up. Uh, Yes, start the hit. Now, Burt Reynolds, um, always a fan, one of my favorite actors and personalities in Hollywood. He passed away, as we know, last year. Did you happen to see the last film he made, which is very reminiscent uh, in John Wayne's career? His last film was The Shootist, which was kind of an honorarium to his career. Burt Reynolds' last film was a film called The Last Movie Star, which was him playing a movie star in his 80s, or about to be 80, right around there, walking hunched over, beat up from his career. And they put in all old films and footage of his past films as a young man from Smoking at the Bandit.
2: Absolutely loved that movie.
0: What a film. Timmy Chase
2: was in that, yep. Chase was in that movie, too. And yeah. that's where they, the, I'm sure that was uh, some of the really funny things. He, you know, he's sitting down with, with, with Bert and they're talking. And he says, Yeah, that was a good choice. Things like that. <laughs> like both of them made bad choices in their careers, of course, but they were both, you know, at the top of their game for so long. I love that movie. I thought it was, a uh, I I watched it twice actually because I, thought, I did wow, too. What a really great idea.
0: Yep. Great uh, idea.
2: So, yeah,
0: yeah. The whole bit, you know, Burt Reynolds still to this day says one of his biggest mistakes was posing for Cosmopolitan the way he did. He said that people didn't take him seriously after that and affected his movie career.
2: Yeah. And at the time it was like, wow, what a great idea. But in hindsight, it not a, not a hundred percent a great choice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're all,
2: we're always judged by our choices. So
0: absolutely. And,
2: and act, And actors always do, you know, they'll say yes to a movie for whatever reasons, whether they, A, want to work with that director and that star, or B, need the money, or C, love the location, or whatever. And then you try to make the the material the best best you can, because, But you know, the ones that are privileged enough to develop their own material, like Adam Sandler and people like that, who get their, and, and Clint, can develop their own story, and then they can just... Take it all the way to fruition, which means you have to control the whole thing. That is fantastic. That is, that's rare air, and that's what uh, everyone aspires to do. So,
0: very rare, and the ability to get the right to final cut. I'm sure everybody dreams about that. You know, being able oh, to control boy. that whole yeah. issue. Most definitely, exactly. Chris, right. Chris, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show. What is what right now? What is your project? What are you looking forward to? Um, that's coming up that you can tell us.
2: I. Uh, Oh, well, I just uh, signed on to work with my old pal, Robert Rodriguez, on an untitled movie he's doing in Austin. And I'm excited about that. Playing the president of the United States again, which is great fun. And uh, Might be got, might be uh, in your just,
0: future, Chris. You never know what this world bunch, going.
2: it's <laughs> going. <laughs> that's one thing I would never want to do. No, me neither. I mean, you are just a target every single day. You yeah. can't win. As, as, uh, as someone in that POTUS position, it's unbelievable. Um, and then I have three movies coming out, which are uh, one was based on a, on a true story about uh, horse thievery up in the Dakotas.
1: Hmm.
2: And uh, they would take horses out of, and take these perfectly fine horses out of the rancher's uh, possession because they used this very rare ruling that the horses are too thin, you're not caring for them enough. And then they would sell them to people in Canada and Germany. So that, that's that's called the stand that comes out um, this fall. So I'm looking forward to that. And then another one, uh, another golf movie. I've done the trifecta in golf. Now I've played the golf, the, the golf uh, professional. Mm-hmm. I've played the gambler who gambles on golf, and now I played a caddy. And oh. This one, and I found out I'm a, I'm a pretty damn good caddy. That's for sure. That's what I found out doing this part. Um, it was written by the the late great Mark Medoff. Uh, based on a, a story of one of his friends. And he said, let's make it. So we shot it down in, in uh, Albuquerque or actually in uh, near Albuquerque. Um, beautiful New Mexican landscapes and uh, golf courses. And it was uh, Edward James Olmos and George Lopez wow, and myself. Yeah, it was, it's a good group of people. And uh, so uh, that's coming out and that'll be a really cool, like uplifting um, Story with a bit of, uh, you know, like a Christian theme to it, you know, religious theme to it, which is, you know, if you believe enough in the man upstairs, anything
0: is possible. Interesting. I so, like those I yeah. like those open ended uh, questions. Plus, Mark Medoff, I mean, he wrote Children of a Lesser God. You know, he's actually, Mark yeah. Met he passed away recently, didn't he?
2: He did, unfortunately. He passed away about a month ago,
0: yeah. Oh, geez, yeah. I, I remember reading. And I love about
2: Mark Medoff. Mark Medoff and I go way back. I did his play, When You're Coming Back, Red Rider. even though I, I made and said, what, you're going to Santa Fe and do a play? It's pilot <laughs> season. You got to you know, They know who I am. I was like, tested it all of them last year and blah, blah, blah. I go there. I play this part of Teddy, which is like the engine of the piece. Mm-hmm. It changed my life. I just had the most brilliant time. And on top of that, the woman who played my girlfriend is now my wife. So oh. I'll always be grateful to Mark Medoff, so. Yeah, that sounds like a very
0: memorable experience. But, you know, I'm glad that you said that. Congratulations on, on meeting her that way. That's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, hitting the boards, going down and doing a play like that, aside from being the fine ultimate character actor that you are, the fact that you go and you hit the boards like that, testing your 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 skill, your trade, everything, I find that awesome. I think that's one of the greatest things an actor can do is to perform in front of a live audience on the boards, you know, aside from just being on the set and doing everything it takes to make a finished product there. So it's rounding out your totally,
2: art. I- Totally agree with you. Uh, it's where the actor shines the most. I mean, the curtain up, and there's no take two, there's no take three, there's no nothing. It's curtain up and go.
0: Exactly. And so you
2: bond, you bond so much stronger to your co-stars on the play than you do in a movie in, in a lot of ways because you're all you're all like you know le- keeping this ball up in the air, and telling this mm-hmm. story, and it changes a little bit every night because you have a new character called the audience. I've done three Broadway shows now. I, I'm I'm looking for my next one. It's just uh, something I'll always go back to because that's the way I was trained.
0: Well, that, ma- actor. that makes you a consummate actor in my book. And and, and all, oh, the more, you, all the more kudos to you, my friend. Listen, I really appreciate your coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure having you on. I want to let you get back to your day. Um, again, I'm a fan. Enjoyed having dinner the, you, the other Bruce. night, getting to know you better. Thank yeah. you so much, so much. That was fun. One day,
2: I would like to come and watch you do your thing. God. So I, yeah, I would love to watch you. I mean, of course, I've seen you on television and everything, and I love the UFC. The I think we were talking earlier w- w- that evening about I was there at the beginning when they literally got Street Fighters off of the street and just right. said, hey, you want to make 50 bucks? And, boy, I wish I'd invested in that. Thing. It's a trillion-dollar business now. Hey, but, I, um, I, I, I wish the I did, too. Talent in, the ring, in the octagon, and I'd love to come and watch you do your, your stuff and Watch the fights and sit in your great seats.
0: <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Chris. You know when you hear it's in, just have Michigan me a call, put him in contact with the UFC, and we'll see if we can work that out. There is a show coming up uh, in Anaheim on August seventeenth um, that might already be sold out. But that's we only come to the LA area maybe once a year, right, TJ? Maybe at best once a year.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to consider Anaheim the LA area, yeah, once a year.
0: Yeah, if you consider that LA, but sometimes if you're hitting yeah, the, the are board- all
2: over the world, though, right?
0: Yeah, all, all over the world, all over the world. You're in New York. You're in New York, hitting the boards on a show or whatever. You hear we're going to be there because we go there multiple times a year. You know, just again, give me a call. See what I can do. Absolutely, no question. Awesome,
2: brother. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: All right, you got it. And thank you for the kind words. And believe me, when you have your first UFC experience, you're going to say, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Because it is. It's like being at the ultimate rock concert for fighting. It's it's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. it goes the, back to the gladiator days, man. These are guys that mano a mano, and I just, I just, I mean, I love the sweet science of boxing, but this is a whole nother level.
0: It's a whole nother level. The announcing needs some work. It's a work in progress, but I'm working on it. I'll perfect it someday. Nah. Get it done someday.
1: You maybe, got some skills, brother. Maybe one day, Bruce, <laughs> I'll hate your face as much as I hate Chris's. Uh, you probably
0: already do. You just don't want to say it. <laughs> All good. <laughs> no comment. All right, Chris. Uh,
1: Have a good great day, my guy. friend. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, DJ. Thanks. Have a great day. Care, Thanks so guys.
0: much, Chris. Take, Take care. care, my friend. Bye-bye
1: now. What a nice guy. I mean, I hate his nice face guy. still. Don't don't get <laughs> me wrong. But, I mean, I, I truly mean that in the most complimentary way. He played that Shooter McGavin character so well. And, and when you do that, you become, you know, ingrained in pop culture and a certain lens for certain people that uh, every time I see Chris, I know who Chris is. You You told me we were going to have him on the show, and I was like, oh, awesome. But every time I see his face or think of his name, I'm like, Shooter McGavin.
0: I have to tell you, I do, too. And, you know, that's see, that's the benefit. Character actors work forever because they can assume different characters. But they're known for their key characters. Right. And that's his key character. And, and, and that's it right there.
1: He's also not the same uh, version of it every time out. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking about his uh, great work in, in something like Happy Gilmore. He couldn't be Shooter McGavin uh, on uh, Boardwalk Empire. You know what I mean? Like, th- th- there, there's different traits and qualities that he's really good at, but he can't apply them the same way with every character, and he does a good job at varying it all up.
0: And that's what makes a fine actor, yep. which is what he is, yep. which is exactly what he is. I got to get my buddy Ray Liotta on the show one time. I don't think we've ever had him on. I mean, talk about a body of work. I'm just thinking of all the great character actors out there. It's I, You know how much of a film buff I am. It's a pleasure for me to interview somebody like uh, Chris McDonald. It, it, most it's, definitely.
1: It's interesting for me, Bruce, because... A lot of people know I do your radio show, and if they haven't listened, they go, oh, what, what's the Bruce Buffer show about? Like, who do you guys talk to uh, in mixed martial arts? I'm like, honestly, we don't really talk to a lot of MMA fighters. And yeah. like, what, what are you talking about? And what I tell them is you you think you might know Bruce Buffer until you listen to his podcast, and then you find out how ingrained in film you are, how much you love that world. And then I, I'm still I'm, – I'm a little bit more used to it now, but when we have a comedian on the show, it, it – just slaps me across the face how much of a comic nerd you are like i'm sorry to (laughs) say that but you're you're a nerd for comedy and uh it's cool to see those things because uh, you kind of get typecasted you know you're you're the it's time guy you're uh michael buffer's brother you're you're the 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 businessman but uh not a lot of people really seem to uh, understand who you are beyond that and i think that's what uh makes this podcast so cool
0: Well, thank you for that, TJ. I appreciate the kind words, and I think you're correct. I mean, this is what podcasts are all about, or you know, listening to someone's show is to get to know that person. And we are a lifestyle show, and I think we prove that constantly every week with our show. I I hate to
1: say it, no offense, but I mean, there are so many great mixed martial arts podcasts out there, and I produce a lot of them. I love doing this show, Bruce, because I never know what we're going to talk about. And uh, I, no offense to the people that I do their podcast. I love doing their podcast. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything bad about that, but I don't want to have the same conversation with people seven times. You know what I mean? It's something that's necessary sometimes, but with you and I, we'll hit the big stories and we'll talk to somebody like Chris McDonald.
0: Uh, exactly. And again, I don't want to be that guy that's talking about the same thing that they can tune in to hear everywhere else, you know, so it, it makes the show, it gives us our own little flavor. And we try to give that back to our listening audience who's from all over the world. And I can't—I love the fact everywhere I go, TJ, right. everywhere I go, there is always a number of people that tell me that they, they really love and enjoy the podcast. And, that and makes I, it all worthwhile.
1: And I think uh, that, that's why we've had the loyalty on display. I, I think I mean, I'm not going to lie, Bruce. I think we've lost some listeners over the years simply because we've been on different venues. You know what I mean? We've been Mm -hmm. over here. We've been on Fox sports. We've been on podcast one. We've been on sure dog and, uh, people follow us. And that's the hardest thing to do in entertainment, not just podcasts. I'm saying if you are on a show and and you go to a different show or a different venue, sometimes people don't seem to care or think about, Hmm, I'm going to go follow them. Like, uh, TBS. It's now the uh, late night home of Conan. It's been that way for a while. He, he will never be as big on TBS as he was on NBC. And I don't think that's a reflection of his quality or work. It's just people didn't follow him. People didn't go where he went right away. And uh, I, I'm happy to say that a lot of our listeners uh, have stayed on this, uh, this train for, for more than a decade.
0: Well, you know, I'm very happy about that, too, and you're right about that, because when I was checking with Ray Balber, you know, on their current download numbers, the one thing they pointed out is is that we have a very solid, loyal block of a listening base. Yeah. It, that just they catch every show. And, and again, well, for those listening that are, that, who he's talking about, I wish to thank you all and love you all for listening, and we want to just always give you that fun.
1: I'm, I'm going to pat ourselves on the back just a little bit. Uh, this is about the only podcast that I do where we have a baseline listenership no matter who's on the show, whether it's Russ right. McDonald or John Jones or you and I. I know that right. no matter what, people are going to show up. We may see a bit of a spike from time to time, but we never see a drop. And, and that is something that I can't say about really any other podcast that I do. If, if a, a lot of podcasts are specifically uh, successful due to the guests that they have and sometimes, you know, the, the popularity of those guests – uh, you know, have an ebb and flow from week to week. And uh, for whatever reason, this podcast has been able to sustain itself even when we don't have guests. And that's that's great. That's a uh, it's flattering to 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 you and to myself, I think.
0: I agree. I agree. Couldn't put it better. And uh, very happy about all that. So let's keep it rolling. Give the audience what they need. A few more stories here. A tragic story that came up this week. A gentleman that I had the pleasure of meeting, actually going down to training camp with many years ago when I was potentially managing a heavyweight boxer into the boxing world and uh, wound up training and having a lot of fun with him and the young Fernando Vargas and other people under the uh, tutelage of the Duva family. But Purnell Whitaker, yeah. the boxing legend, Sweet 55 P. years old, Sweet Pea Whitaker, the, one of the greatest defensive yeah. boxers and movers of all time, hit by a car, tragically uh, died of uh, traumatic trauma, and had trauma, and dead at the age of 55. I woke up yesterday, and I got this in a text, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, it's horrific for anybody to go that way, no matter who they are, but when you're a warrior and you go out, it's, you know, there's a movie called Seven Samurai, a Japanese film by the great director Akira Kurosawa, which was the film that, um, the film's, What's the um, Magnificent Seven was based on that was remade recently with Denzel Washington. In this film, the original film Seven Samurai, there's seven warriors all with different talents. There was one that was the ultimate samurai warrior, samurai sword expert, and he didn't shoot bullets. He got everybody with arrows and a samurai sword, but in the end, he was taken out by a bullet, something he has no control over. Here, Perna Whitaker, however this happened, hit by a car, something he has no control over because he couldn't fight back. It reminds me, in my old days, I used to train with a a master in Taekwondo who is um, 8th Don or higher, and he had a very successful dojo here in, in California. And I stopped by, trained once in a while, and it was tragic because he was a great guy. He'd been through so much in his life. In his fifties, he was walking across the street to his dojo and got hit by a car, which took him out. Also, granted, a horrific way for anybody to go. But when you think, do you get the, what I'm trying to say here a little bit? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, you, I,
1: you 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 train to deal with so much danger, and you yes, battle yes. through it, and then it's yes. it's something that you have no control over that takes you out physically. Like, I mean, we all, I mean. This sounds weird, but we, we all prefer, I think, to go due to an illness or old age or a sickness, right? We want our body to grow old enough to where it breaks down and, and we die of natural causes. Um, in my
0: sleep. In my sleep, right. I mean, that's
1: that's the dream, right? No yeah. no, sort of pun intended there. Um, but w- with that in mind, uh, someone that is a warrior to, to have their life ended due to physical trauma that is completely out of their control, um, it's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. So my, my wishes, again, condolences go out to uh, the loved ones and family members of Sweet Whittaker. Whitaker. Just need to say that. Much respect, and thank you for all the entertainment over the years. You're amazing. I mean, Definitely. he's an
1: icon. I, how many times have uh, you know fighters in mixed martial arts that have similar movement to him uh, have been compared to him? Like, he's the baseline comparison. You want to talk about movement, fluidity, you talk about Sweet Pea. I wouldn't
0: even doubt that Floyd Mayweather, one of the finest, if not finest, defensive boxers himself, didn't take notes from Sweet P2 in his early career. Most definitely. You're absolutely correct on that. Speaking of careers, as we go away from the story, which is, again, one that I send my best wishes to for everybody. um, Middle-aged, Uriah Faber. Wow. Middle-aged. Oh, my God. Quote, Dana White. I was with Dana last night, by the way. Um, We were at the um, L.A. Sports Spectacular which was an event out here to benefit the Cedar sinai Hospital uh, fighting diabetes and obesity in this world. And it was sponsored by Beyond Meat, who I've talked about on the show, that is all plant-based um, food products, which they make into hamburgers and sausages. And, man, everybody there, football players, you name it, all the sports stars that were there, my friends, everybody, we ate this stuff up. I really recommend to everybody try Beyond Meat. It's amazing. By but, the
1: by, the but, end of the month, I'm waiting for confirmation. I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but I've been in touch with someone uh, from the place in San Francisco that does the uh, the watermelon steak. We talked about that yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, are uh, right. We'll, we'll have them on the air, I think, before the end of the month, maybe first week of August. Oh, that's awesome. Get some samples, TJ. I want to try that. I think you have to be in the venue. They can't really send it to you. Oh, that's fine. Um, that's fine.
0: It's just it's fascinating. Yeah, I want to have them on the show, most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. So this event um, was honoring a, a number of people. Um, Brad Slater, who is Dwayne the Rock's Uh, Johnson's agent. He's also um, Ronda Rousey's agent, Kevin Costner's agent. Uh, My good friends have known him since he was younger. He's really established himself in the world of Hollywood. He was being honored last night, and Dana was there to give uh, him an introduction, bring him in. And i got to give Dana some credit. All the auction stuff that they put out, the people were not bidding too actively. Dana, Dana spent about thirty to 50000 last night to benefit the Cedar to Dona Hospital, made his appearance and hopped on his G4 and he hey, had to get out of for something else.
1: Say what you want about Dana White. You can love him, you can hate him. The man has shown his charity time and time again. And, uh, uh, I mean, we talked about the Make-A-Wish stuff not long ago that you were involved with. Uh, it doesn't end there.
0: No, it doesn't in there and I learned a couple of things of where he's been charitable and he's not, it's not talked about. He's not looking for headlines. This is what he does and, and he, he's done some amazing things. So it was great to see Dana there. Great to see everybody. It was great to party with Snoop Dogg who's, I'll say it again, extremely intelligent. What a businessman. Um, big fan of Snoop Dogs and I like him as a person. He's a really cool cat. He's, he's, he's a lot of fun to hang out with and have some fun. So I had a good time last night. I forgot why I got on that story. I was just talking about you know, benefits and charities, whatever. It might have been something else, but pardon me, I'm brain farting right now. Uh, Ken Shamrock is back in the news. He's launching Valor BK, which is bare knuckle fighting organization. I understand one that Chris Levan fought in. I talked to Sean Merriman last night. Sean Merriman was supposed to do BK, you know, bare knuckle boxing. And he told me that group that he was fighting for, the one that Chris Levan was fighting for, they're gone. They're done. In so many words, if I heard him correctly. Um,
1: Uh, so there, there were two, one, two of them out there. There was BKB, which was bare knuckle boxing. And then there was BKFC. I don't know which is which, uh, the one that, uh, has Pauli Malignaggi and Artem Lobov. That's, that's the strong one. So that's the strong one. That's the stronger one. one. Yeah. It sounds like they're financially solvent. The other one I think is, uh, no longer with us. Yeah, no
0: longer with us. That's what he was talking about. You know, it's a shame. Fighters fought their hearts out, took their damage, and didn't get paid. I hate that. I hate hearing that. It reminds me of early days of MMA with some ruthless promoters that were out there that, you know, have definitely gone by the wayside, which is where they'll wind up. But the bare-knuckle fighting, you know, people were enjoying, and I guess Ken's jumping into it. I wish him the best. Um, I
1: I mean, I don't mind it, per se. I don't really care to watch it. Um, For me... I think it comes down to the fact that I I just don't really care who the best bare knuckle boxer is on the planet, you know what I mean? And, and that's not that's not a slight against boxing or bare knuckle or anything like that. I just it's not my cup of tea. Um, some people said, oh, it's it's violent and grotesque, and it's like there's more blood and cuts. I, I don't think there's any more or less trauma. I don't think it's any more or less barbaric. Other than again, there's more cuts and blood. But I mean. Bruce, I mean, how many times have we seen brutal, violent fights in MMA where there's no blood or, you know, just a, a grazing uh, elbow to the side of the head and it's a bloodbath? I don't don't believe the the hype too much about blood resulting in uh, a fight being more dangerous for a, a fighter. It's never good to, to be cut and bleeding profusely, but uh, I think it's more of an aesthetic thing rather than... Uh, You know, a danger thing. And and honestly, when you want to talk about fighter safety, uh, the most dangerous thing about bare knuckle anything is broken hands.
0: Yeah, you're hitting with your wrist. You're hitting with the two lower knuckles, which you shouldn't hit with. You should always hit with your upper two knuckles. You know, it's there's some damage to the fighters. I I was approached. um, I won't say which of the two organizations we're talking about, but I was offered a pretty big payday. To you know, be the announcer, and I can do that if I want to because I'm exclusive to MMA for UFC, but when it comes to boxing and kickboxing, if I choose to branch out, I'm just really busy and happy with all the work I have as it is in UFC, which keeps yeah. me I obviously mean, extremely busy. We, I don't really need we, other jobs.
1: We've had you now. working at EBI for how long? You know, like I don't think you've been there for a year and a half. You know what I mean? Because you've been – it's uh, your weekends are booked. Weekends
0: are They're booked. Bu- they're booking when I get a rare weekend at home, I'm telling you, I just love it. And, but our, then again, I'll go work somewhere else. But all I, that being said, I, I, I assume,
1: d- I assume you just get home, take off your uh, suit and then fall asleep and then don't wake up until you have to go back out again because you um, run so
0: ragged. It's not quite that much of a hibernation process, but you know, it's kind of similar. I was telling Dana last night, we were talking about it cause he's taking a little vacay for himself. And I said, Dana, I had one vacation in four years, yet I'm traveling all over the world because to me, when I walk into my home, I feel like I'm on vacation and he looked at me as buff. You know what? It's the same for me too. That, that is it. That is the vacation land right there. So when, I'm when, with that. When I walk
1: into your house, I feel like I paid admission to get into a freaking museum.
0: <laughs> You're due brother. You got to get over here. But the, um, the thing I wanted to say is when they hit me with that, I felt like I was jumping back 23 years ago to when I started in the UFC with all respect to all the fighters and people dealing with the organization. So it's it was interesting. Field. It's a different, it's feel. a different, it didn't. It excited me on one end, but it didn't excite me in another because I truly get my excitement and my adrenaline rush when I step into the octagon. And that's the way it's going to stay unless it's a specific event. Well, I, hey. I really. Oh, ADCC. ADCC is coming here to uh, L.A. Awesome. Give yeah. Me, give me and, that gig.
1: Um, they're in. They just contacted me. You do the announcing. I'll do the play by play. We'll both get paid and have a great time.
0: I'll see what I can do. I'll let
1: you know. I'm going to go into
0: my files and check it out.
1: 20% for you. (laughs) You heard it,
0: folks. Stick to it. All right. Fight news-wise, we have to, and you're deserving of it too, TJ, of course. All right, listen. We just got off uh, the Sacramento fights, UFC, and the Octagon, Middle Asia Uriah a favor. Wow, what can I say? Next stop, you know, we're all hearing Henry Cejudo. Of course, that injury of his, I think, is going to keep him out for a long period of time. I don't know if they can still put it together in the fall. But um, he blew everybody away, including Dana White, and uh, he showed that he's in there to stay for however long he cares to stay. So good luck to you, Uriah. It was a really fun announcement. Do you know, did you notice what I did Saturday night that I've only done for one other fighter in the history of the UFC named Randy Couture? You bowed. No, I didn't no. bow. I, uh, I, I said, didn't see
1: it. I, I, was I guessing. Finished
0: it. I finished it by saying, aside from the former champion. UFC
1: Octagon you, Hall of Fame warrior?
0: Exactly. Yeah. UFC Hall of Fame Octagon Warrior. I've only said that for one other fighter. And here he is. It's uh, Uriah Faber. He, he, didn't, got, he, he got. didn't the say thing. that for
1: BJ Penn?
0: You know, I don't think I said that. And you know, I forgot that he was in the Hall of Fame that night, and I should have done that. Darn it. Well, he gets it next time he steps in, if he steps back in. Right. I'll do it for him. I, I th- will do I, it. I think
1: you did it for, for BJ Penn. You just don't remember.
0: I had to go back to my fight card. Maybe I did. Well, if I did, he's deserving, and, and it's righteous.
1: I'm going to run over All to I, UFC Fight Pass today and look. Okay, do
0: it and let me know. Okay, we got uh, San Antonio coming this weekend. I'll be down there. We've got Leon Edwards and Rafael Dos Anjos in the main event. Greg Hardy coming back against Juan Adams, Alexia Nol- Onik, Walt Harris. That's going to be a fun heavyweight fight to watch. And James Vick and Dan, Kuker, uh, Dan Hooker. rather. That's also going to be really good to watch. Ben Rothwell and Andre Olowski. Is Andre Olowski fighting like every six weeks now?
1: He's he's fighting a lot. It's interesting to me in, in the heavyweight division in mixed martial arts, his Largely been the, the standout uh, when it comes to this. But, you know, we talk about a middle aged uh, Uriah Faber uh, getting a big win in the UFC. The, the heavyweight division has featured a fair share of names for the better part of 10 or 15 years. And while Ben Rothwell hasn't been in the UFC for that long, uh, he, he's one of the. I mean, Ben Rothwell was a, a competent heavyweight 12 years ago. Andre Orlovsky yeah. was, uh, you know, UFC champion twelve years ago. Both these guys fighting one another in twenty nineteen in, in the UFC. It's uh it's a statement to their uh, durability, uh the legacy that both men are going to leave behind. And uh, you know don't don't for a second go ah they're past their prime because I promise you both of them will uh, knock you out cold. They have the skill and the ability to do so.
0: Yeah, no question. I mean, who doesn't want to watch Andre and Ben go at it? Two big boys going at it, most definitely. I'm looking at this card. Alex Casera, Steven Peterson, Irina Aldana, Raquel Pennington, Sam Alvey. Always fun to watch, smile on his face, doing what he does against Klitson Abru. Roxanne Matafari and Jennifer Maya. This is on the undercard. Ray Borg. Ray Borg's here. Gabriel uh, Gabriel Silva. Wow, this is a really good card from top to bottom. I'm looking forward to this. You know
1: what the problem is? June and July have been such huge months for the UFC that it's, Hard to actually promote each card the way that it deserves to be promoted. I mean, the international fight week was you know what two weeks ago, and uh, we haven't had a break since then. And not to mention Dana White's Susan at contender series has been killing it. Uh, it. It's it's nonstop MMA action, and it's it, while it's great, it, it's also hard to keep your eyes on on what's going on. I mean, what is it next week already that uh, we have the the big uh, Edmonton. Edmonton, yeah, yeah. So we UFC
0: 240, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Two, two title fights on on that night. Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar, uh, Chris wait, Cyborg, Chris Felicia Cy- Spencer. Yeah, Chris Cyborg, not a champion anymore. I for, I forget that, but I mean Cyborg and, and Felicia Spencer, both former Invicta champions. For all intents and purposes, it it could be a title fight in any other promotion. But Amanda Nunes is the queen there. It's 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 a great time to be an MMA fan. It's just really hard to keep up.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Dana and I were touching base on something last night is that the plethora of nonstop great action UFC events we've had this year, it's like there's been so many great fight nights, really excellent fight nights. It's just very happy with the way everything's going. Very, You know what the cool thing about Dana, aside from many other things, because I have nothing but good things you know, to say about somebody, the man I've worked with him for 23 years and the ups and the downs and everything else, but he's still passionate, TJ. He's still got that fire. Well, you right? have
1: to be. I mean, to, yeah. To, I... Same with you. You have to be to be a, a traveler like that, where you're you're not only away from your loved ones more than you want to be, but you're away from really executing the responsibilities that are required of a human being just to exist and get through. You know, uh, I'm sure that you uh, have months where you're home for, you know, only three or four days uh, a week. And those those days are just jam packed with things that you have to get done before you get on the next plane.
0: Yep. Yep. Exactly. Just like right after we're doing this podcast, boom, a lot of things, bing, bing, bing. But that's life. you know. I'm not complaining. I love what I do. And obviously, you need to love what you do to really lead the right life. And I hope everybody out there, I hope you love what you do when you monetize it. That's called following your passion and monetizing. That's a great way because then you have a lifestyle. You're not just going to work. With that being said, let's branch out here. Let's go through some news stories here before we end the show. There's a few interesting ones we want to talk about here. TJ, the writing's on the wall. Uh, Bed, Bath & Beyond I hope they're not the next victim, but the modern days of retailing are now affecting Bed Bath & Beyond. Their sales are sinking like 6.6% over the last year. Uh, this most recent quarter lost money, too. Uh, the value of its shares has gone down. I mean, this is a great store. I love Bed Bath & Beyond. It could, be the, it could be one of the victims coming up retail-wise. I hope they hold true. I, mean, I hope they can th- this stand is, it.
1: This is something we've talked about quite a bit, and I was actually just talking to my buddy Caleb about this uh, earlier today. These brick-and-mortar retailers need to figure out how to evolve and keep up with the online uh, retailers of the world, the Amazons and whatnot. And I believe that they can. They can figure it out. And mainly they need to exploit something that Amazon and most of the other companies can't do. And that is, look, place your order online. That's fine. Get it now. You know, a lot of people have the the in-store pickup, but... They need to refine the shopping experience. And what I think about, uh, my wife likes to buy clothes, like, like most women like to shop for clothes. But the way that she does it now is she, uh, she belongs to like some club that sends her a box of clothes at the beginning of the month. She tries it on. She keeps what she likes. She ships it off, and uh, they charge her based on what she doesn't send back. I feel like these companies out there need to set up an online portal where you go in and you pick what you want to shop for, essentially— and then you set a time that you're going to come into the store and they make those items accessible for you to try out or, you know, experience. That way you can go, you know what, I like it. Just the, the idea that, you know, just an in-store pickup or price matching, it, it, that's not what people are, are going to do to forego the, the online shopping experience. It, it's exactly what it is. It's the experience. You need to get people to enjoy the experience of dealing with your brick and mortar store. And I don't believe that anybody has really changed that sort of approach whatsoever when it comes to shopping.
0: Well, that's no, they haven't. And again, bed, bath in in this article that I read is basically not adapting to modern times. And that's what you're talking about because you have to adapt. As a business, you have to
1: adapt. One of my favorite things, maybe this is crazy. and, and, And I guess I like it now a lot more than I used to, Bruce. But I like going to the mall. I enjoy the experience of going to the shopping mall. I don't necessarily like, hopefully she's not listening. I don't like going with my wife because it takes forever. And I got to sit there and wait for her to go through all the stores. It takes forever. But uh, I I enjoy the outing. And the more we get away from actually going out to the the shopping center and things like that, uh, I think the next generation doesn't really understand what it's like to go to the mall. When, When I was a kid, Bruce, the mall had free air conditioning, and uh, there, there was a food court and a video game store at a movie theater. I would go there when I didn't have any money because it, no, it was a way to get cooled off in the summertime.
0: Did the same thing. Preston Park Shopping Mall in Dallas, numerous malls in Philadelphia, you know, two movies a day, lunch. You know, that's when people let their kids go out at young ages, not too afraid of stranger danger. It's a different time now. And people I mean, parent their kids in a different way. How many girls you know? did
1: you meet at the mall? That's where I met all the girls in my life.
0: Yeah, well, they all hung out, of course. To go, or take your teenage girlfriend to the mall, you know, for, again, just an innocent day or whatever the right. day called for, to have a good time. Okay, yeah, or,
1: or or if you were a teenager, taking your 20-something-year-old girlfriend to the mall, yeah.
0: I always dated older women.
1: Me, <laughs> no, me too. Me too. I don't think I've I ever like... dated a younger girl, ever. Well, I can't say that now. But well, you're older. <laughs> you're old. you're yeah. old. I got married. I got married. You know. Yeah, you got married. Exactly. All
0: right, so Bed Bath & Beyond, wish you luck on that. Listen, to Atlanta. Atlanta, they found the Legionnaires disease now. Three people got sick in a hotel. You know, that's frightening. People got to understand when I first heard about the Legionnaires disease, one in 10 people that get this disease die. Yeah. One in 10 die. It's a very dangerous disease. I worry about bed bugs. Which in the last hotel we just stayed at in uh, Sacramento, I won't say who, but show me they were bit by bed bugs in the same hotel I was staying at. And by the way, whenever you deal with bed bugs, according to a doctor friend of mine, just take a hot shower; it'll it'll relieve that issue right right away. But
1: yeah. who wants to deal with no, bed bugs? I mean, the the problem yeah. the problem is with bed bugs is it's not so much on the hotel. I mean, it is they need to clean the rooms and whatnot. But you know that that can happen at the uh, the finest hotel, the finest establishments. It's it's the clientele that comes in, and uh, unfortunately, people got stuff on them sometimes they leave it behind and then it takes a liking to you but yeah uh it's it's something that i haven't had to deal with bed bugs yet i've heard of others having to deal with it but yeah it is uh it is definitely something that is not common but it's it's a pain to deal with
0: well another thing it's not common and kind of a pain because we every time we read stories about food you know like oh eggs are great no eggs are bad oh eggs are great no they're bad oh soda uh, sugary drinks we know soda's not good for you but now another thing came out there's more bad news for fans of sugary drinks like soda and fruit juice a new study has linked drinking just a small glass of a sugary drink per day 100 uh, milliliters which is about a third of a typical can of soda to an 18% increase yeah. in overall cancer risk and a 22% risk in breast cancer.
1: Can I just say this though, Bruce? I hate to say this, but maybe there's just an 18% more likely chance to get cancer because most people in the world drink that much fruit juice or, or soda in a day. It's it's very rare that you meet someone that doesn't have a sugary drink at one point. point during the day, day, yeah. You know, yeah. and uh I mean, that's one of those uh, stats and studies that, sure, it's a bit shocking to hear. You don't like hearing it. Uh, I I consume uh, a lot of fruit juice. I have a glass of juice every morning. Uh, But I also don't think that I'm going to change my life because of this study. Uh, Cancer's a thing. It's a real-life thing that we're all susceptible to, some more than others genetically. uh, Moderation, I guess. You know, we, we moderation. Is,
0: that. Yeah. Moderation It's really simple. Sugar is not good for you. OK, no, we know that. No, it's not. But
1: naturally occurring uh, sugar. That's a little bit different.
0: That's I mean, different. That, that's why it's good to eat fruit. You know, right, it's but, naturally occurring but, sugar.
1: But the juice is a natural occurring sugar. So people are saying, oh, if you drink all natural fruit juice, you might still get cancer. Well, well, you might I get cancer by being alive. You know what the number one cause of death is, Bruce? Life.
0: Yeah, of course, because it comes to an end at some point, in some right. way, in some fashion or thing for all of us. But, you know, as far as the juices, to clarify, this doesn't apply to what I'm I'm here to to fresh juices that you make in a juicer. But the juices that come in containers and, you know, made, yeah, orange but, juice, Minute made. that's what they're relating but, it to. But,
1: Bruce, that's still 100% all-natural fruit juice.
0: I hear you. I, I'm trying to get the... The correlation here in a it's, couple of areas. Plus, it says there's no link between diet beverages and cancer, right? Because right. they sugar. That's not yeah.
1: sugar, but the, the point is sugar. Period is what they're afraid of. And uh, I'm sorry, you're not going to get a sugar-free glass of orange juice because that's not orange juice.
0: Right. So. Right. All
1: right,
0: watch it, folks. Have a quarter of a glass of orange juice with your breakfast Just tomorrow. Just smell it.
1: Just smell it. That's yes. that's all you can do now. Just smell
0: it. That's okay. Um. Wow, more than 100 dead and 6 million affected by flooding across South, East, South Asia. That's horrible. That's not much to say there, but it's horrible. I hope they're all okay. Listen, there's a lawsuit. of, You know how much I love poker? We talked about it with Chris McDonald. February 2019 has not been so kind to the poker superstar. You've heard of Phil Ivey, haven't you? Of course, yeah. Yeah. So, Phil Ivey, and uh, we talked, I was involved in a lawsuit at an English um, casino involving the game called Baccarat. Well, just to refresh, Ivy and the Borgata Hotel, which is in Atlantic City, they're in the middle of a big dispute now for seven years. The issue is that a series of Baccarat sessions that Ivy was in, he won $9.6 million, right? But in order to accomplish this big score, he had a partner named Chong Yin Kelly Sun, and they employed a technique which they were found guilty of called edge sorting. The Borgata sued Ivy for fraud and breach of contract because of this practice. What that is, it's a, it's a discrepancy, that they noticed in the manufacturer's design on the back of the cards. They were able to figure this out, and they used it to determine the value of the card when they're playing. So you might ask, you know, well, if the, the casino is dealing it and he noticed it, is it a crime that he played it? Well, it's been found out that it was. So that,
1: That's nonsense. I'm sorry. Well, because I, I, I'm sorry. If I can exploit something, and he's not doing anything illegal. He just noticed something. There's nothing wrong well, with that, in my opinion. Changing your you know, cards. A, there's always that
0: question about being a counter and all this. You know, we hear this over the years, but here's what it came down. <clears throat> they appealed the decision, right, because the Borgata, uh wanted to seek restitution for $10.16 million. That includes a $9.6 million, He won an extra 560000 that he won playing craps afterward. Okay. Well, where did he cheat at craps? Okay, that's another question. That's in the state of New Jersey. They're having a problem collecting it because he doesn't have any assets in the state of New Jersey. But now the same judge ruled that the Pagoda can pursue his assets outside the state of New Jersey, such as the state of Nevada, okay, where he obviously has a lot of assets. But here's where it can get worse for him. The RICO Act, which is the Racketeer and Corruption Act that was made to, to get mafia organizations, you know, to come down on them, uh, a way that the government has, you know, got after them to uh, arrest them, you know, in criminal investigations, blah, 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 blah. If the judge rules that it was a violation of the RICO Act, which is possible, it's going to come down, then the Brigada now can triple its $10.16 million judgment to where they can collect over $30 million. So he's in chance to get even $20 million worse. Now, Phil Ivy. I can't say how much, but it's been rumored. I mean, He's made and worth a lot of money from the world of poker. But, you know, like anybody else worth a lot of money, plus some other people we know, you do the wrong thing and you can lose that money overnight. So we'll see how that pans out. But that's pretty crazy, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit conflicted on it. Uh, the, the casinos have a bunch of things that are rigged not in your favor. Uh, you notice something, as long as you're not using some sort of a device and you're just using your brain, Um I don't think that you should be punished for finally getting the odds in your uh, own favor. They figured it out. They fixed the situation. Um, heck, without him, maybe they wouldn't have figured it out or fixed the situation. So uh, cut your losses, in my opinion. Don't take people to court. Sorry. Well,
0: it's going to set a precedent for the future for people who want to go there. So uh, in the movie world, we're going to get back to that. You know, they've been always talking about a new James Bond. Daniel Craig, to me, is aside from Sean Connery, is the best James Bond ever, doing what he does. But now, they were talking about bringing in... uh, I think Bruce Buffer's
1: the best James Bond.
0: (laughs) I'd grab that in a heartbeat if I had the chance. Um, That's a bucket list, far-fetched one, but nice to think about. Idris Elba, I always don't say his name correctly. They were talking about him being the new James Bond, but get this, TJ. Uh, Did you happen to see uh, Captain Marvel? No. Okay, the one of the stars of Captain Marvel, Ashana Lynch, female, is now looking like she's going to be the new 007. So according to like multiple outlets, um, she played Brie Larson in the Captain Captain Marvel movie, but now they're saying she's going to be the new 007 in what they describe as a popcorn-dropping moment in the 25th installment. That's the 25th film they've made of this franchise. The reports are that Daniel Craig is still the same old James Bond we know and love. He's brought back from retirement at some point in the new movie that they're planning, and he's introduced Lashana's character, who's inherited his old codename of 007. Supposedly, from that point forward, she keeps it, and this is going to be our new James Bond. It's going to be the first female James Bond. So there's supposedly spectacular chase sequences, fights, Bond's still Bond, but he's having to learn to deal with the world of Me Too <laughs> in the new movie. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Actually, kind of a pretty interesting storyline. Um, how do you feel about having a female as James Bond? I mean,
1: you know, something you were talking about with, with Chris, there's only 16 plots in, in movies. We're going to tell the same stories over and over again. I don't mind thinking outside the box. Why Why can't James Bond be a woman? You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. I, if, if I'm going to have to watch the same movies retold over and over again, especially when it's like literally the same movies and the reboots and remakes, yeah, change the gender of a main character. I'm, I'm cool with that.
0: Yeah, why not? Why not? Totally with it. Okay, a little collectible talk. Apocalypse Now. Did you ever see that one? No. Okay, well, it's a famous movie. You know, Marlon Brando was in it. The, uh, the classic GMT Master Rolex that he wore in the film is now up for auction. Uh, from the film on the back, it looks like a hand engraving that Brando did himself where it's itched on the back, M. Brando, meaning it was Marlon Brando's. Recently, a Rolex Daytona that was owned by the great actor Paul Newman, legendary actor Paul Newman, uh, fetched $17.5 million for that watch. I know that, as I said on the show before, Steve McQueen's Rolex many years ago from the film, um, oh gosh, the racing movie he did, pardon me, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank, sold for $750,000 back then. Rolexes do go up in price, but obviously if they've got the provenance of being worn by Marlon Brando or Steve McQueen or uh, whatever, we'll see what this film, what this watch goes for auction for. But there is one up. Now, Madonna, her love letter from Tupac, Tupac Shakur uh, wrote a love letter to Madonna. It's an infamous love letter. It's been known. It's been in limbo for years. So now an auction house is going to sell it. She's trying to block it, but it's finally hitting the block, the auction block. It's up for sale. Uh, it's from the memorabilia company. Got to have rock and roll. The opening bid is a hundred thousand. They expect the letter, the handwritten letter, to go for three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. And You might ask, yeah, I mean, it's I, again, that's not for everybody, but the person that wants that is going to pay for that. And that's the way collectibles work. Pretty crazy, huh?
1: Yeah, that's that's something else.
0: Yep, definitely. TJ, what's up? Where are you going this week? I'm I'm done for the day. I got to go on to other stuff right now. No. What's, what's on your agenda?
1: I'm home, uh, sticking around. Going to be watching the UFC this uh, Saturday. So uh, if anyone wants to check out my post fight radio show, it's going to be on uh, patreon.com forward slash between rounds. It'll be myself, Micah Miller, who, if you don't know who that is, he's Cole Miller's brother, fought in the WEC. Uh, and then we'll also be fo- uh, joined by uh, former strike Strikeforce uh, light heavyweight champion, King Mola Wall. So I uh, would always appreciate people checking that out. Uh, again, patreon.com forward slash between rounds or follow me on Twitter at TJ DeSantis.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, there's a little story that I missed here, TJ, and I'm just going to say it. I love these kind of stories like the, the boy who uh, was had the lemonade stand and all. A 12-year-old boy is making custom bow ties to help shelter dogs. In other words, he's taken upon himself to step out, sell his bow ties, to donate all the money to help dogs in need at a shelter. These stories, I love these stories very, very much. It's called giving back and paying forward, folks. Very important. And speaking of which, in my own little inevitable way, the cards for UFC 239, uh, the Amanda Nunes card, uh, fighting Holly Holmes, they are now on auction at eBay. You can go uh, check out my uh, Instagram. Post on it at Bruce Buffer UFC on Instagram or Bruce Buffer on Twitter. Uh, the cards are being sold. The card for Mosfidal and Ben Askren was already sold. That card is sold for $1,700 before it even went to auction. Somebody was craving for it. And they paid a lot of money. It was hard to turn down the offer. Uh, partial proceeds are going to be going to the Forgotten Dogs Foundation here in Santa Monica to benefit dogs that are obviously being taken care of and being sheltered, but dogs in need. And they certainly need money to take care of and pay for these dogs at before and hopefully when they get adopted by Families that will give them wonderful homes. So that's what's been that who is benefiting by this auction and check it out. It's on eBay. It's by my memorabilia company uh, partner in scriptographs.com. They have a lot of great stuff at their site. Check out a scriptographs.com and go ahead and check out the cars. I think you'd be able to get some of these cars for a great inexpensive price if you go for it. But you never know with auction bidding and the prices that are being paid for these. So we will see. So enjoy uh, TJ with that. I'm going to say goodbye to the audience. Are we good. All good buff. Okay, brother. Always a pleasure. We'll be back next week. Oh, who do I have coming on? Um, I got some pretty interesting people getting set up. Oh, Michael Strahan wants to come on the show. And in August, I just, oh, what did I do last week? I didn't even talk about this. I did the Kids' Choice Awards, TJ. You know, the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards where they get slimed.
1: Yeah.
0: It was great. I had the, the boys, Kristen, Chris, their father. They all came. We all had a great time. I worked with Michael Strahan, Chloe Kim, the Olympic snowboarding champion, um,
1: uh, I, I know you weren't getting slimed. I saw you uh, take some photos you, not wearing that suit. You weren't getting slimed. I was close, and
0: I did get caught. I did get a couple of shots on the on the smoking jacket I was wearing, but they swore I would not get slimed because I don't know if that comes out of the clothes. It was all good. But I spent time with Gronk, Gronkowski, what a character he is. He said he's going to come back as a kicker. Of course, he's joking, but you know, you never know when he's going to come back. But it was a great experience, great experience for the kids, seeing all these kids happy. Uh, They do a great job at the Nickelodeon event, which is the Kids' Choice Awards. So with that being said, we'll be back next week with another special guest. I'll see you from the Octagon on Saturday from San Antonio. Everybody, treat yourself. Treat everybody around you with respect. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals. Write them down. Learn about them. So when you set on that path, you perform and be the best you can be. And that means you're winning, always by being the best you can be. But be prepared before you take down that battle. All right, everybody, have a great week. We'll be back. Thank you to everybody listening internationally. Always a pleasure. Buffer out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions,
2: and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com.
1: Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th. Collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. The world has changed, and Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay
2: connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and
1: collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com Teams.